0: Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, we began this Sunday morning and uh, the leading of the Lord directs me to continue in this avenue this evening concerning being seated in Christ. It's uh, a great truth that we need to be experiencing by faith, of course, partaking of and the, the many wonderful things that we could be experiencing that we don't because of. Uh, for the most part, we weren't aware that the object of our faith always had to be the sacrifice of Christ. And unfortunately, this this is a sad statement to have to make, but unfortunately, most of the church does not know that today. They do not even know that. They are not aware. When you begin to talk down that avenue, they they just look at you like, you know, "That's, that's what saved me, but to have my faith in that now and that's why God has raised up churches like you, like this church here and like others and he is now continually raising up. These little churches in the woods of nowhere, these little churches just like Elijah that popped out of nowhere it seems like and God used him against a, a, a backslidden nation of Israel to bring them back to a focus of the altar which pointed to Calvary and that's what these little churches God is raising up, that he's, he's, he's doing through them. He's bringing back through the scriptures and faith and grace the church's attention to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. For there is where we find everything that we will ever uh, find God offering us. And if we claim we're finding it somewhere else, well... We're wrong. We're not finding it anywhere else. He doesn't offer it through anything else. His love nor anything else does he offer through any other avenue than the sacrifice of his son. And that's why he's raising up these ministries uh, to be, as the Apostle Paul was in his day, determined not to know anything but Christ in him crucified. We have a problem today in the church where we'll say the right things for a moment and... And then we'll move right away from it into deep deception. We'll say things like there's a scarlet thread that runs through the scriptures. And you cannot exhaust the the message of the cross in the word of God. But then we act like we can by not preaching it, by not teaching it. The message of the cross is in the first words of the Bible, in the beginning. That's Christ. He claims he is the beginning. And he is the one through whom God used to create the world. He is the living word. And so you you cannot exhaust the the focus of Calvary in the word of God. It doesn't matter. Brother Swaggart, all of his uh, commentaries there, if you don't have them, you need to get them while they're still available. And you need to begin to read them. Uh, I encourage you to because you'll learn the theology of of the scriptures in the light of the living word and what he did at Calvary, how the Bible relates to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. That's the focus of our Bibles. That's why we send 10 Bibles a week into the prison system to inmates. And uh, so, you know, we understand that this focus brings great uh, attack from the enemy. I saw from Sunday morning someone posted uh, on our in the comment, I deleted it, but it was real long, and it was about how the God we serve is not even the true god and uh, the true God is Jehovah Allah and all this stuff and and just all this kind of you we we're not around that very much, but I'm telling you in our nation today, that kind of mess is everywhere yeah, right. it is everywhere false doctrine is more than just being off some false doctrine there is Satan worship going on down the road down here 20 miles away in Texarkana, Texas or Arkansas. Texarkana's got some satanic church they call it. But it's 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 a growing rebellion against God by rebelling against his son and what his son did at Calvary. So Uh, There's been much that we could have been told and learned long ago, but because we weren't aware of the object of faith always being the cross of Christ, we were dull of hearing. We were dull of hearing. We could quote the Word and you could tell me your problem and I could find a scripture and throw it at you, but if I didn't point you to Calvary, the Word just became the letter of the law to you and not the letter of the Spirit. We're dull of hearing if we're not looking through, to and through Calvary when we're in the Word of God. We're dull of hearing if we're not hearing God through His Son and what His Son did at Calvary. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, Let's just read starting in verse 1 and we'll make it down to verse 6. Be careful, though. You're liable to be in Revelation. You start reading the Bible. Therefore, seeing, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ephesians is where I see it. So in verse 1, And you, as he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's enough to make you shout. Because that verse tells us we're no longer dead in sins and trespasses. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. That tells us the devil's in charge of what's going on in the world. It's, the Bible says he's the God of this world, its system, it, the way it functions. Let me tell you, the world says it takes this and all that to make the world go round, but it don't take nothing but the cross to make the world go round. It don't take everything else to make the world go round. That's, that's phrases the, the devil likes to use. Wherein, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Have you ever thought about that? Not just your flesh, it's your mind. It's those two things are listed separately there. Amen. You need to think about that. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Everybody who's lost in the world is a child of wrath. And they're headed for the wrath that is to come. But thanks be to God, He's delivered us from the wrath that is to come. That's what our Bibles tell us. He has delivered us from the wrath that is to come. There is a wrath coming. And the world has never seen the wrath of God in the way they will In the days ahead. But God. Who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. Has quickened us. Together. With Christ. By grace are you saved. And has. Raised us up together. And made us sit together. In heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The redemptive plan of God is here in the spotlight, as it always is. And and it's proved by what's written in verse 5, and in verse 8 because everything he's done he's done by the grace that Jesus tasted death by on Calvary's cross and when we believed upon him we were crucified with him buried and raised to newness of life with him and ascended with him and now we are seated with him And that's as real as you sitting here tonight. It's in the mind of God. It's the plan of God. It's a done deal to God. But just as the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, Jesus had to come and be born of a virgin, live a sinless life, and go to the cross to manifest that love, to be that sacrificial, that sacrifice of love for us to forgive us. And we had to believe it. You have to believe it. Just because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world doesn't mean that God didn't have to get involved in the world through the giving of his son. Amen. And it is required that you and I are believers. We have to believe what God did in Christ at Calvary. That's the object of our faith. And there's where God is chosen for your faith To be placed, it can't be placed anywhere else. The faith is, people like to argue and say, is it the faith of Christ or is it faith in Christ? Well, if you say it's faith in Christ, I'll be the first to tell you I agree with you. So it's located there, so that makes it His. He authored it and He perfected it. It's His. It's in Him. Your believing heart finds that faith in him and it becomes your faith in. Amen. You'll be straight on that. Hallelujah. But he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And again, this is is another reason as we have been saying around here quite often that God delivers us unto death always so that we can see where we're seated always with His Son. Amen. You, you, you're not going to have your faith in where, uh, some, somewhere where you're delivering yourself to. And if you don't know that God's delivering you unto death and that He's only working death in you so that His Son can be expressed through you, then you won't be able to experience and express Christ in any other avenue. People who reject this truth and this reality, they reject the opportunity to express Christ. He does not give a second option. We express Him not just by being born again, but by being born again and keeping our faith in what He did to make us born again. So that we, as a born-again person, man or woman, in Christ can express Christ. You cannot express Christ just by being nice. And God determines where the expression of His Son really is. But you, the only way you know, let me say this tonight. The only way that you can know you're expressing Christ is, is if your expression of Christ is based on the Word. Not what you say, not what you feel like. Well, I just feel like I expressed Christ tonight. You you don't know if you expressed Christ tonight unless the Word tells you where your faith has to be. And if your faith is there, then you've got a Word telling you you've expressed Christ. The church needs to awaken to this reality. Just because we go out and do something the Bible says to do doesn't mean we're expressing Christ. It means we're doing what we're doing. That's what it means. And God alone is the only one who knows why we're doing what we're doing unless according to the word we're doing what we're doing. Amen. Amen. And in all we do, we're not called just to do a bunch of stuff we're called to express Christ. And our good works that Ephesians 2.10 speaks of are all in Christ. And when something is in Christ, its expression is Christ. Amen. So the reason the Spirit of God always delivers us unto death and not anything other is because it is the death of our Savior and our faith therein that gives us access to everything else. You have access to nothing God is offering except through faith in the sacrifice. And that does not mean just because you're born again. And I'll use the example again that I did Sunday morning, the church of Laodicea. And this is a very alarming and scary Bible uh, scripture to me. When Jesus through John right to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, and reveal to that church there that they're not even in fellowship with Jesus though they have His spirit dwelling in them. If you're born again, you have the Spirit of God, but that does not mean you're just automatically in fellowship with Jesus. Not even when you go through certain motions of, of feeling like you're in fellowship with Jesus. what puts you in fellowship with Jesus is what brought is your faith being what brought you into fellowship with Jesus. And that's his death. Not just you feel like you're going to fellowship with Jesus today. This is what the church don't like. And don't think for a minute that the church is not backslidden far, far, far farther than we could ever imagine. It is. Because this is, these are truths we should be running to. We're so divided because we're not all joined together around the throne. And we're not all seated. we're not all experiencing what it means to be seated not only together with Christ but with the body of Christ. Because every saved person is seated in Christ. But if we're not experiencing what it means in our condition here to be seated with him in heavenly places, then we're going to stay divided. And it's not Pentecost that will bring us together. That's not what brought us together. It's the cross. Pentecost didn't bring us together. The cross has brought us together. I'm not justified by Pentecost. I believe in Pentecost. I am Pentecostal. But I'll tell you right now, Pentecost is not what justified me. The blood of Jesus justified me. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit. I couldn't, nobody could even learn or understand the first thing in the Word of God without the Holy Spirit. You couldn't have any legitimate ministry without the Holy Spirit. Let's just get right down to it. God has never done anything without the Holy Spirit being the agent by which he did it. Not agent, I don't like that. The third person of the Godhead, he's God. He's never done anything without using Or doing it by the Holy Spirit. Jesus' death, the Bible says, was done through the eternal Spirit. Amen. When we believed, it was because the Spirit of God was preaching to us the gospel. Even if it was grandma or some preacher on TV, it don't matter. It was the Holy Ghost that was preaching the gospel to us. And when we believed it, he, he took us and immersed us into the death of Jesus and buried us with Him and raised Him up with Him and ascended us with Him and were seated with Him. That's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the reason we're so divided in the church is because we, you know, the cross is what brought us all together and seated us together. It's everything else that divides us. So let me say it a different way. It's the focus of everything else. And when anything else becomes the object of faith, that divides us. Amen. The early church had people that were full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, and they had people that were not full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, but they were all in one big old church there. Amen. They were together, and i got news for you. There's a persecution coming. You ain't going to like it. Yep. And that's an understatement. If you're still here and the Lord tarries in the years ahead, there's a persecution coming, and the church is going to get together. The church is going to get together and it ain't going to matter what you call yourself. It ain't going to matter what name you got on your building or out by the road. The church, the God's going to bring his people together. Yes. But he's not going to do it just because persecution. He's going to do it through the preaching of the cross. Yes. Because there ain't no, listen, we all in this room together tonight, but that don't mean we together in what we believe. You got a family you live in the same house with. That don't mean everybody in that house is together in what they believe. We all in one town right now, but that don't mean everybody in this town is together in the spirit. We all in a big old nation called America, and we for sure ain't all together in the church. We are divided, and, and let me say it again, what divides us, is a pushing away of what brings us together. Yeah. And there ain't but one thing that brings us together, and it's that one thing that allowed us to be seated with our Savior in heavenly places. Amen. That's it. If we come back to the cross, we can get together together. We'll be singing about the cross. We'll be preaching the cross. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, praise God. Hallelujah. If you're not, we pray you get, we, you get filled soon. But we're not going to condemn you because you are because you're not. we just going to get together and preach the cross and let the Holy Ghost do what gets done. Amen. But we got to focus on Calvary. we got to learn to be determined, not to focus on anything else but that. Your mind ain't stayed on the Lord unless it stayed on what He did to, to let your mind be on Him to begin with but faith is required this all requires faith and faith, I was talking to Pastor Mahari Warfield on the phone today and he was talking about you know certain individuals having gone out from the church and then come back to the church And but when they went out from the church they went back into the world and you know the world got a big sledgehammer you you, you, you get away from the things of God and go back out in the world, man the world will eat you up, chew you up and spit you out and you can come running back to the church and the church will be there with open arms, that is if they preach in the cross, because that's the only open arms of God and uh, they'll welcome you back in there and, and, and I said, you know brother, we, we just got to learn and be willing to fight the good fight of faith, but there's, but there's something, that de- there's only one thing that determines if you're going to be willing to fight the good fight of faith and that is this is Jesus worthy enough to you for you to fight the good fight that's what it all boils down to because if I'm not fighting the good fight of faith something else is more precious to me than Jesus I need to say it ten more times if I'm not fighting the good fight of faith to experience here in my condition the things that are already there in heaven for me, remember, set your affection on things above and not on things things on this earth. If I'm not willing to fight the good fight of faith, to press through every moment that I am distracted or uh, tested or tempted or whatever it is. If I'm not willing to the degree I'm not willing to fight the good fight of faith, to that same degree, Jesus is worthy to me. Or not. Or not. Or not. Because that's that, your love. For the Lord is what will determine if you'll fight the good fight of faith. Is it worth it? Is what Jesus did for you at Calvary really worth you standing still and just beholding what He did for you at Calvary. And I'm not talking about looking at a bloody corpse. I'm talking about looking at a God that loves you and sent His Son to die for you and was in His Son. His Son laying His life down so that everything you were and did could be forgiven and forgotten and you could be a new creation forever and ever and be with the One who loves you. You could serve Him all the days of your life in righteousness and holiness without being fearful of this world. Is he worth it? Because to the degree he's worth it to you, you will fight the good fight of faith, and you will quit making excuses for why you're not. Uh, it'd be so it'd be so sad, wouldn't it, if I came home and told Robin how much I loved her, but then I went to work and I had about three girls at work that you know I was buying them flyers too, and I was just boy just uh, with, I, you know treating them all kind of uh, ways I shouldn't be too, you know, and that, that means I ain't really loving her, and that's what God's problem with Israel was all them years. He call, He called them they, you've done gone a whoring again because God calls it whoring when we go after anything that's not just simply faith in His Son and what He did at Calvary. It's called whoring. We're giving ourselves to other things, and I'm not listen. I'm like everybody else. I get tempted. We get all get tried. But we got to learn. We got to learn that when we, we just keep avoiding where our God is trying to get us to so he can deal with us on his terms, which is Calvary, and not deal with us when we have to go our own way and do it. Our, he'll deal with you that way too, but you ain't going to like it. He loves you enough, he'll deal with you when you move away from where he's drawing you, but you're not going to like that. Yeah. He's trying to get your attention back on the Lamb so that he can work all things together for your good. Yes. Amen. Faith is required. Faith's required. Amen. And let me say, this what we're teaching here, what we taught Sunday and what we're talking about tonight about being seated with Him. This is not sitting on the couch at home just trying to picture a picture in your mind about being seated with Jesus and how that really looks in heavenly places. That you, you, If you're trying to do that, you're missing the point. You're missing the reality of it. It's not about an imagination. It's about faith and what God says is reality. And through your faith and what God says he's done in his son to you and for you, you just believe it in the heart. It, listen, even if you have a picture as we talked about Sunday, it ain't going to be right. When the Bible talks about looking unto Jesus, we all got a different imagination about what Jesus looks like, but we all got the same imagination about what God did in him there. And that's the truth that we have to hold dear. We all got different imaginations of what Jesus looks like, a, 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 a handsome, a, a brown-headed, dark-eyed Jewish man. But the Bible tells us you wouldn't have turned your head twice to look at him. There was nothing comely about him to look at. If you met him and you didn't hear him speaking, it wasn't like the pictures today, you see. There wasn't something floating above his head. I just felt something. No, 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 no. No, it's who he was as the living word and the works he did. It was his message and his ministry, the works he did being the works of the Father that got everybody's attention, but there was nothing that you feel when he walked by like the church wants to try to get into today. Come on, somebody. Yeah. He was a man. yeah, Flesh and blood, just like us. Amen. Amen. If you don't believe he was, you can get saved tonight because you got to believe that to be saved. Amen. Amen. It takes faith. Faith is required. It's not just an imagination. Why? Because God says your faith is your substance. Everything God's promised us right now is by faith. There will come a day when faith will be no more. Hope will be no more. Nothing but love will be there. Faith and hope will be passed because we will have what we've hoped for and beyond. And we will have in our possession completely what our faith has been in. But now you have to have faith. You have to apply faith. And faith is not in an imagination. Faith is in God's Word. And God's Word will always point you to Calvary. It'll always point you to Calvary. You might say, well, brother, no, the Word tells me what I need to do. Yeah, but I got news for you. The Bible says that it's going to take the Holy Spirit for you to do what you need to do, and He only works based on a law, and that law is in Christ Jesus. Amen. So faith always works and always produces fruit. You don't have faith because you say you do. You got faith because there's fruit of it. And if your faith is in the sacrifice, then you got words to go along with that. Amen. You do not have faith because you think you do. You have faith if there's fruit, you have faith. Yes. Faith works and faith produces fruit. Faith works and faith produces fruit. I don't have faith because I say I have faith. I have faith because there is fruit to be seen. Hallelujah. Amen. Faith works. Amen. 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 Faith works. If you got faith, faith's at work. And if faith is at work, there's fruit. Amen. Faith always works. If I am keeping it. It always produces fruit. The reality of these great truths are already ours, but it doesn't mean that we will not have to fight the good fight of faith to experience the fruit of the promise. Let's read on. Let's let's read on down in verse uh, in this same second chapter tonight. Let's go down a few verses and let's try starting in verse nineteen. Verse nineteen, Ephesians chapter two. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners; thank goodness, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. That don't mean crossway church. That means all the church. All the saints. And of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Watch now. In verse 21 and 22. In whom all the building fitly framed. Being joined together is what this means. Together. In whom all the building fitly framed together. All the building fitly framed together. We're one building because we're one body. We're one church. All over the world. In whom all the building fitly framed together. Grows unto a holy temple in the Lord. How do we grow when we're fitly framed together? We can only grow if we keep our faith in what it was that joined us together. Amen. We cannot be together unless we are preaching the cross. Amen. You know, and let me say it. I said it Sunday morning and I hope you would just take some time in prayer and be in in the word and, and come to the conclusion that you're living in a time where you are a part of the story. You're a part, not just by being a Christian, but God chose this part of the age to put you here because he knew you would... He would be able to bring you to a place through your desperation, through your sincerity of wanting to really serve him and be far more than just a person that goes to church, but you want what he's offering you to be real to you. And he knew that about you, and he chose you, and he chose this time to put you here. And again, let me remind us, right now, God is trying to awaken his church. We are asleep, slumbering, many dead in the church, just as the church of Sardis, many and most out of fellowship with Christ, just like the church of Laodicea, many fallen from grace, just like the church in Galatia, many in the church are like the, and, and, and we have been for years, like the church of Corinth, just Paul said, all of you is following. Uh, Apollos, he said, I've, I've heard of the divisions among you. And then he says, it's all of you. And the only message that can bring us back together is the message of where it was that we allowed us to begin together. It's after we get saved that we go our separate ways and because we leave that one object of faith and we we say we don't, and I know what they really mean when we us we say we don't, it means that well, I still believe in the cross, but that's not our focus. it's got to be the focus. We've been told by ministers over the last four to five years listen to me very carefully I won't call their name but you know them very, very well. We were told by some of them that y'all just need to let prayer be about prayer. You need to let faith be about faith and you need to let the cross be about the cross. We were told that by these ministers and let me assure you they, they, they can't go beyond that until they get determined, Amen. they can't move beyond that. Till they get determined, they've got a file for faith, and they can preach that. Then they've got a file for mercy, and they can preach that. And then they've got a file for uh, um, grace, and a file for forgiveness, and a file for this, and just pull a file, and we'll preach that. But let me tell you, if you don't, if you don't preach what you're preaching and touch redemption, that you're not leaving there with nothing. The word can't be applied except by the blood. That's not just sounding good words. That's truth. Amen. Amen. You couldn't be saved without the blood. And you can't grow without the blood. You can't be in fellowship with Jesus without a present active Faith in the cross, the blood of Jesus—that's proven in the Scriptures. So let's read this again, then we'll move on into verse 22. In whom all the building fitly framed together, fitly framed together grows. In whom all the building fitly framed together grows. Why can't we grow? Because we're not experiencing what it means to be fitly framed together. And it's not about us coming to what they say the focus should be. It's about everybody coming back to what the Word of God says the focus is. God is always, my, the Bible says He is ever mindful of His covenant. That word ever, when you look it up, one of the first definitions is the vanishing point. It's where you vanished. And Christ became your life in the covenant. And in First Chronicles or Second Chronicles, I can't remember which one it is, but it's God uh, there in Psalms one eleven, verse five, telling us he's always mindful of the covenant. And then in first or second chronicles, I'll tell you if you want to know after church, he's telling us, commanding us, you always be mindful of the covenant. Always means always. That means God said, it's my answer for everything. He don't have two answers. His answer is not prayer for victory. His answer is not this or that. His answer is the cross of Christ. That's it. We pray and we have faith and all the other disciplines in the Word of God that you have to have in your life. But the cross is the focus. Watch now. Let's read it again. In whom all the building fitly framed together grows. Fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are builded together. You're builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Can I say tonight that the church in Laodicea was not being built by the Lord because he was outside of fellowship with them. The church of Galatia, many there, were not being built by the Lord because they had fallen from grace, and it's by grace which he establishes our hearts. Amen. Amen and all the other problems in the church. And listen, if that was a 100 or so years or less after the church had been birthed at Pentecost, where do you think we are now? With a 100 different translations or 500 translations of the Bible, the devil trying to get us all distracted and away from the one thing that God says his mind is ever on? His mind is always on the covenant. Amen. And God's not going to tell you to keep your mind on something always at His mind, not on Now the mind of God is a million billion light years away from now. But He's talking about how He deals with humanity and how He deals with people. Now quit. we need to quit asking crazy questions. Well, uh, is that all God's thinking about His covenant? Concerning you it is. Concerning you it is. Who knows what else he's done in in eons past? Because he's always been God when things even weren't as we know it. But and he'll always be God. No, uh, we know what he's going to do in the ages to come. It's written in this in, the, in this in this chapter right here. Let's go back and look at it in verse seven. That in the ages to come. I said in the ages to come. He don't say one or two. In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That, that's, all, that's all about Calvary. Amen. That's all about Calvary because at Calvary, it's where Jesus tasted death by the grace of God and made that grace through his death available to save us. Yeah. But grace is not just for salvation. It's for me to be a pastor and a husband, an employee, an employer, whatever that God puts before me, I've got to have grace and it's going to require me to have faith so his grace can find a place to function. Grace can't function without faith. Hmm. Okay. So back down here again in verse 22, in whom ye also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Can I say tonight that there ain't no building going on if we ain't seated with Him? The building here is based on us setting our affection on things above, which is where we're seated with Christ in heavenly places and where we already are together. Together. That's why, we got, that's why we got to keep our minds stayed on what God's mind is stayed on and that's the covenant Jesus said is in His blood. We got to keep our mind there if we're going to be able to function with the mind of Christ that we've been given. Amen. Alright. I, I, I got about five minutes. I want to read Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 before I quit. There's a powerful... Uh, great truth here, and I don't have time to get into other things that go with this tonight, but maybe later, uh, if the Lord tarries, but me and Brother Dale think the Lord's coming tonight. Anybody with us on that? Amen. Amen. we looking for him. If he don't come tonight, that means he's coming in the morning. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where you are called. That's the one vocation we were all called to. With all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love. Wow. Is that going on in the body? Well, look, he's going to tell you where it can go on. What? With all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love, how endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in a place Where's that place? In the bond of peace. Where did Christ make our peace? The blood of his cross. Colossians 1 and 20. He made our peace by the blood of his cross. If you and I are going to be involved in the great move of God, it's going to be where we're found keeping the unity of the Spirit In the bond of peace. It says the bond of peace. The bond. You know about super glue, don't you? You ever got some on your fingers accidentally? They didn't fall apart as quickly as they used to. The bond of peace is the blood of Jesus. He's our king of peace, not because I say you're my king of peace, Lord. He is our king of peace if we're born again. But the experience of him as our king of peace is what I need. Let's read this again. Verse 3. Endeavoring. That means this is our endeavor. This is why the apostle Paul tells us that we need to be striving together for the faith of the gospel. In Philippians, where is that at? Philippians 1 and 27, write it down. Let the Lord put it in your heart concretely tonight. That you and I, if we're not striving together for the faith of the gospel, we will not be found endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Peace is not where we just all get along. Peace is what we're experiencing through faith in the blood of the lamb. And not just in word. It's our message, it's our music, it's our life, it's our testimony. It's the, it, when we open the Bible, it's the word. You hear preachers, all my life I've heard preachers say, man, most of the Bible's about prophecy. I'll go for that, okay. But the the Bible says in Revelation 19.10 that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'll go for it. Most of the Bible is prophetic. I know it is. All of it really is because Jesus said it testifies of him. We can be together and we can stay together. And when we don't stay together, it's because one of us or both of us have moved away from where the mind of God is stayed upon. Amen. I'm going to say that again. We can stay together and we... We'll stay together as long as we keep our hearts surrendered to the sacrifice of Christ. But when one of us or both of us move away from that, we cannot stay together. We cannot stay together. You might act like you're getting along, but you ain't going to be happy with me without Jesus in between us. That's true about you too. We all get sick of each other quick, don't we? You can do this, yeah. Or you can just sit there and be still so you don't get slapped out of that chair by somebody beside you. We, we're not very good at getting along. Maybe for a short season while we're, while we're after something or while something's new or while we got a new preacher or while we just got a new job and make good money. We're, we get a lot of, oh, well, everything's going good. We're getting along. But when everything kind of, we've been here preaching this message for about 18 years now and uh, not everybody's still with us anymore. But we're still here. Because yeah, right. we're still clinging to the great truth of Calvary. Amen. <coughs> People don't stay together. And they can't without Jesus. And even if they do, it ain't good. Y'all know that's true. They stayed here. They've been married 50 years and they ain't saved. My Lord, I'd hate to be in the house with them. Ain't none of us worth a flip. But Jesus keeps us together. Jesus keeps us together. This is another reason, cha-ching, check it off on your list, that God always delivers us to the death of Jesus so that we can look at each other in a, in, the, in that light, through that glory. Yeah. Instead of looking at each other about all our faults. We all got faults. We all got faults. You say, you preacher, wait till you find out. I'm one of you going to stay in church when you do. We all got faults. We all got Struggles, right? Amen. Amen. For the most part, if we're struggling, it's really just to pick the cross up, take it up again. Amen. God will build us as a church in these last days. And I'm not even talking about just crossway church. I'm talking about church all over the world. He, 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 Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell. Anybody know what that is? Gates. Back in those days is where the ju- the authority and the judgment of the men were of the city. They sat at the gate. And that's where they, with their authority, made their judgments. So the authority and judgment of hell, and that word means death and the grave. Jesus said, that ain't going to prevail over my people. I'll build my church. And as I build my church, fitly frame together my church the authority and the judgment of death and the grave ain't going to prevail over them. Yes. My people are going to live in the wisdom of God. My people going to overcome. My people going to be warned to me and hear my voice and begin to follow me. Even if they got distracted for a season, they're going to hear my voice. They're going to recognize it's me knocking on the door and let me back in. Is that you tonight? Is that you tonight? That knock on the door... Is God pointing you back to the sacrifice. That's not just the imagination of a man standing at some door in your mind. That's the Lord pointing you back to the sacrifice. Because their distraction from that is what put Jesus outside knocking to get back in. Nothing else. Not some sin. Not some sinful vice. Them moving their focus from what God is focused on to what they thought they need to be focused on. God makes our decisions. God knows what we need to be focused on. And if he's focused on the lamb at all times, he says we need to be focused on the lamb at all times. We were talking before church tonight about when situations happen, phone calls come, people say stuff, whatever it is, whatever the, that, that moment is, We need to learn to just say, Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb. That's God's answer for your temptation. That's God's answer for everything is the Lamb. Ain't no other. Ain't no two answers. One answer, and it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if the church will come back to that focus, then the church can be fitly framed together and be found being built by Jesus as a habitation for the Spirit of God. And it's the Spirit of God alone that can bring us into the unity of the faith of the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? Praise the Lord for His goodness.